This is Indianapolis coach, Reggie Wayne, and you're listening to the For the Culture podcast. This is the For the Culture podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Chris Ballard has officially wrapped up his fourth draft in Indianapolis, trading second-round pick from 2017 Quincy Wilson to the New York Jets to join former 2017 draftees by the Colts Terrell Basham and Nate Harrison, and then the following week declines first-round pick in 2017 Malik Hooker of his fifth-year option, so now he'll be set to become a free agent after the 2020 season, along with Anthony Walker Jr., Marlon Mack, and Grover Stewart, who were all drafted alongside Hooker in the 2017 draft, Chris Ballard's first draft in Indianapolis, as we rewind, review, and regrade the 2017 draft class in Indianapolis, a class that Chris Ballard did not have his scouts for. He didn't have his guys. He didn't have Ed Dodds. He was still working with Chuck Pagano, Pagano's staff. He was drafting 4A, 3-4, knowing that the following year he was most likely going to switch over to a 4-3. He was forced to keep Pagano and that coaching staff in 2017, and he got the job late. He took the job on January 29th, had to relocate his family to Indianapolis, had to study the 2016 game film of the Colts. He needed to learn his own roster before he could even think about what he needed to add to that roster. He had to take care of in-house guys. Who am I going to cut? Who am I going to keep? And it was a very difficult job, especially when you watch the with the next pick series, we all know that this is a 365 day a year job for Chris Ballard and his scouting department. So to squeeze 12 months of work into three months, inheriting what you inherited from Ryan Grigson, it was a damn near impossible task. So sometimes Chris Ballard takes a little bit of slack for the 2017 draft class, and it didn't do that class any favors that the following year consisted of two first-team All-Pros as rookies who look like they're both going to go on to have Hall of Fame careers. It's going to overshadow what you did the year before, but you take a look at that 2017 draft class. We have four players from that class who will be starters for us in 2020. If you could get four legitimate starters for your football team every draft, you're doing your job. That's what you want. It would be great to get multiple all pros every year, but that's a little bit unrealistic. And when you take into consideration all the variables, got the job on January 29th, had Pagano and Pagano's coaching staff was drafting for a 3-4 when the following year he switched over to a 4-3, didn't have Ed Dodds or any of the main cogs in his current war room. And you take all those variables into consideration, this draft wasn't nearly as bad as some people make it out to be. And I understand it's frustrating that he did not hit on the first few picks in this draft, but he had a couple home runs in the back half in the fourth and fifth rounds of the 2017 draft. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, Chris Ballard's stint in Indianapolis as a GM literally started with the hardest thing that an organization can ever go through in a death of a player. So he had to deal with that on top of getting ready for a draft, dealing with the coaching staff that he inherited, with scouts that he inherited, preparing for a draft with really guys that he didn't really know or trust, and you now know that trust is a huge part of what Chris Bauer does. He trusts his scouts. They make a lot of really important points, when they, and he, he always wants his scouts to be outgoing and tell him what they really, really think. And he was dealing with people that he didn't, he didn't really know going into that draft. So there's something to be said for that. As far as the actual team, we were still being coached by pretty much a dead man walking. We were playing a defense that was dead man walking. We were playing a 3-4. We were not going to play that once Chris Ballard got his head coach here. And as we saw, once he got to choose his own coach, 
He chose, after the McDaniels disaster, he chose Frank Reich. They brought in the 4-3. That's his defense. So I think if you look at the 2017 draft through the prism of all of that that was going on, I think he did a solid job. Was it his best job? No. And it's, I mean, he would tell you that. But I can, I can certainly tell you this. I think it was, if you look at the last 2017 drafts, and the last five drafts before that, probably, that draft was better than any draft Grigson had. So you kind of have to step back and really look at everything before you draw a straight conclusion from it. You know, you have to look at everything. So a lot of these players aren't on our team anymore, but that doesn't mean that they were, weren't good players or good draft picks. It just means once we got our new staff and they just didn't fit what we did. So it is what it is. Yep, and let's jump right into the first pick Chris Ballard ever made as the Colts general manager. With the 15th overall pick in the first round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Malik Cooker, free safety, Ohio State. Got off to a blazing fast start his rookie season, had three picks in seven games, unfortunately had his rookie season cut short due to a torn ACL, came back in 2018, and between 18 and 19 only had four interceptions in 27 games. So he lost a little bit of that range that we saw so much of in 2017. We've seen it in spurts. We've seen it in glimpses. Like if you think back to week one last year against the Chargers, had that crazy one-hand interception in the fourth quarter against the Los Angeles Chargers. Philip Rivers said he saw him, but he never thought he was going to get a hand on that ball, and he was able to get to the spot. He was able to pick it off. So he's shown the range in flashes. We haven't seen it as consistently as we once saw it back in 2017 when he was a rookie. And just last week, the Colts declined his fifth-year option for 2021. So we had an opportunity to exercise that option, have him for two more years. We decided to decline it, and he will now be entering a contract year in 2020, his fourth season with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, when we got Malik, I was really excited because he was my second-rated safety. Jamal Adams was one, he was two. A lot of people actually had Malik one, but I, I thought, you know, Jamal Adams was clearly the better player. and That's actually turned out to be true. But with that said, Malik's been a solid player. He's done some good things. I think the ACL injury set him back. I thought he looked much better his rookie year than he has since then. He definitely has not lived up to where he was drafted as far as, you know, what you expect to get out of a player where you take, you know, with him, like everybody said, Oh my God, I can't believe he fell to the Colts, especially with him. A lot of people thought he was a top 10 pick. So him falling to us was, was crazy when it happened on draft night. But in the end, and we look at it now, he just hasn't really made enough plays. He hasn't been consistent enough. He's a good player, but he's not the player that we thought we were getting. Now I wasn't one of these people that thought we were getting Ed Reed because Ed Reed is not only is he a hall of fame player, one of the two, I think best safeties ever play the game. That dude was a hitter. This guy, you know, Malik was never going to be a great tackler. He was never going to be a great, you know, come up and knock the crap out of you type player like Ed Reed was, but I thought we were going to get his range and we, you know, somewhat close range to what Ed Reed had. And we really haven't gotten that either. So it's been a disappointment, but I don't want anybody to think that that I don't think Malik Hooker is a, a good player or that he can be a great player because I do think at his young age, remember he's only 24 years old, his future is still extremely bright. A lot of guys blossom later. I mean, you remember Mike Adams when we got him. 
He'd been in the league 10 years, and he had incredible seasons for us. He was one of our best defensive players. I'm not saying Malik's going to take 10 years to be a good player, but what I am saying is just because he hasn't blown up as of this moment doesn't mean that it's not coming. He's got a lot of talent, but he's got to stay healthy. He's got to get better at tackling. There's still things he has to get better at, but I do think he's got a bright future, but he just hasn't lived up to what we thought we were getting in terms of splash plays, turnovers, interceptions, fumble, forced fumbles, you know, just big plays in general. He has not lived up to that, uh, and that's been disappointing. But, again, he's only 24 years old. So I like the pick at the time. I still think the kid has a chance to be really, really good. But if you're asking me if, you know, I, I think he's lived up to that pick, I would say absolutely not. Yeah, and like you said, just turned 24 years old. So I think his best football is ahead of him. I don't think that football will be played in Indianapolis. Unfortunately, after the Colts decline that fifth-year option, I think he'll most likely move on after this season. But next offseason, he'll turn 25. So if a team signs him to a four-year contract next offseason, they'll get him for 25, 26, 27, 28. The prime of Malik's career will be in that second uniform. So it's unfortunate that it most likely will not be in Indianapolis. I think that's the consensus right now but I think people do need to remember that Malik will be a Colt in 2020 just because they declined that fifth year option and he's upset and the team might not be on the best terms with Hooker right now he's still going into a contract year he wants to make himself as valuable as possible when he hits the open market next year and he is still a Colt and this is a team we expect to compete we have Rivers on a one-year deal. We have Rhodes on a one-year deal. We're all in to win this year. We have multiple veterans on one-year contracts. Just look at Malik as another guy on a one-year deal with the Colts. He's still a Colt in 2020, and I think that he's going to be a big part of this team going out and competing for hopefully a Super Bowl championship this upcoming season. So it sucks that Malik's future and his best years won't be in a Colts uniform because I believe he will move on after this year, and I believe he'll play very well for his next team. But this is still a big year for Hooker in 2020, and I think he is going to play with something to prove. With the 46th overall pick in the second round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Quincy Wilson, cornerback, Florida. Started 10 games for the Colts between 2017 and 18, was a healthy scratch seven times in 2019 for the Colts, and was the only player, Chris Ballard drafted nine guys in 2017, the only player of those nine to not start a single game. Yes, even Zach Banner started a game last season for Pittsburgh. Quincy Wilson was the only player drafted by the Colts in 2017 to not start at least one game in the NFL, and he was a healthy scratch seven of the potential 16 games and then was traded to the Jets for a sixth round pick this past draft during the sixth round of the 2020 draft for a sixth round pick. That pick turned into cornerback Isaiah Rogers as the Colts go defensive backs back to back with Malik Hooker in the first round and Quincy Wilson in the second round. Yeah. And I was a big Quincy guy. And I think I was looking at it a little too short sighted when I was going over guys I liked in that draft. When I went back and looked at my notebook, you know, and looked up stuff about Quincy. I thought he was an extremely good fit for our defense, the Pagano defense that we were running in 2017. And I thought he would have been great opposite Vontae. And I honestly, I thought he, he did a solid job. But the problem was when we switched defenses and went to a zone, Quincy's terrible in zone. That's not his forte, if you will. So obviously he needed to work on that. And I think it's been well documented. He was not the most mature kid, 
coming into the organization. So that was that did not help his development. But I just think once we went to that four three, you know, shell with the with the with the zone underneath and and corners playing zone outside. I just he wasn't a good fit and guys passed him by. They gave him plenty of chances. It just wasn't a good fit. I don't think personality wise, but also I don't think on the field. And and I just think, you know, we've got plenty of guys here now that I do think fit well. He just wasn't one of those guys. And, you know, maybe Chris Bauer thought he would he would be able to kind of segue from that Pagano defense into the Eberflus defense, but it just didn't work out. And you see that happen a lot of times. You you, you go through regimes and and different defense changes and and whatnot, scheme changes, and you and a guy you thought might be able to fit a new scheme just doesn't fit. I think that was mainly the issue here, and so it didn't work out. But I do think Quincy's got a shot in New York to earn some playing time. I still I don't really have a feel for how good he is. Because we just couldn't get him on the field in Indianapolis, whether that was because the coaches didn't like him or he didn't practice well or whatever. And then when he got on the field this year, he wasn't very good. I still really don't have a feel for how good he actually is. So I'll, I'll be interested, and I wish him well. I have no, you know, nothing but uh, you know, high hopes for the kid. I hope it works out for him. And I'd love to see him play well for the Jets and earn a starting job and play well as long as it's not against us, obviously. But I wish the kid well. I just don't think he fit in here. Yeah, and just to show how young Quincy Wilson actually is, he's only 23 years old. He'll turn 24 in August. Danny Pinter, who the Colts just drafted in the fifth round of the 2020 draft out of Ball State, is already 24 years old. So he's older than Quincy, only by a couple weeks, maybe a month, but still older than Quincy, which just goes to show how young Quincy actually is because we view Danny Pinter right now as more of a project player coming out of a smaller school FCS school, Ball State, and he played tight end the first couple years there, made the transition to right tackle, and now we're going to move him inside to guard. So we view Pinter as a young project player we just drafted in the fifth round. He's technically older than Wilson, and Wilson will be going into his fourth year. Pinter's only going into his rookie season. So that just goes to show how incredibly young Quincy is. So another player who I believe his best football is ahead of him. He'll go to a system now with the New York Jets, more man-to-man. He'll fit better there. He'll be more comfortable. He probably needed a fresh start, and I heard that he actually admitted that he probably came out of school too early. He should have stayed at Florida a little bit longer, and it was showing. There was signs of immaturity, so I wish him the best in New York. Not week three, of course, when we play Quincy Wilson and the other 10 or 11 former Colts that are members of the New York Jets, but I definitely wish him the best in New York, and he was one of those guys that it would have been beneficial to him to stay in school a little bit longer because he's just so young. He's only 23 years old, and he's now going into his fourth season in the NFL, and immaturity and a couple of other things did pop up along the way. Another player, also currently a member of the New York Jets, one of three players the Colts drafted in 2017 who's currently on the 90-man roster, for the Jets with the 80th overall pick in the third round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Terrell Basham outside linebacker, Ohio, a guy who's drafted to play outside linebacker in a three, four and just couldn't make the switch 
to a 4-3. In 2017, played 15 games for the Colts, recorded two sacks. That scheme switch in 2018 really hurt him. Played one game in September, was waived on October 4th in 2018. Played all 16 games last year for who but the New York Jets. Made two starts and had two sacks. So like Quincy, didn't really fit the new scheme. But unlike Quincy, we weren't able to get anything for him. We had to wave him on October 4th. At least we got something for Wilson because it sucks that he devalued himself from a second-round pick to a sixth-round pick over the course of the last three years. But at least we got something for him. Terrell Basham, we waved on October 4th back in 2018 and then, of course, got claimed by the New York Jets. Yeah, and I questioned this pick when we made it just because it it was a project player, and I knew it was going to take a while, and I knew the Colts didn't have a while to wait with with the way their roster was set up. Going in the second season, I was like, okay, he's going to have to become a defensive end now, and he just just learned how to play outside linebacker the year before in the NFL, and it it was, uh, you know, a disappointment. I mean, he he did the best he could. He was a high effort kid. You know, he showed some things his, his rookie year in that Pagano defense, but you could tell, like, once the Colts went to that 4-3 and you had all those guys uh, that we had, Sheard and, and uh, you know, the other guys that were on that 2018 line, he wasn't going to play much. So they, you know, ended up releasing him. And, you know, and the Jets picked him up. The Jets pick up all our players. So he hasn't really panned out too well there, but he has actually started a couple of games. So I – I mean, good for him. I just think, again, this is a situation where the scheme just didn't fit his skill set. And so the Colts just, they just chose to part ways. Yep, and with the 137th overall pick in the fourth round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Zach Banner, offensive tackle, USC. They got the 137th pick in a trade with the New England Patriots, trading Dwayne Allen to the Patriots for the fourth round pick. So we didn't have to give up much to get this pick, and it was a good thing too because this pick did absolutely nothing for the Colts. We waived him on September 3rd, 2017, never made it to week one. So this was not only the worst pick for Ballard in the 2017 draft, but I think you can make the argument that Zach Banner was the worst pick Ballard's made to date through his four drafts. Zach Banner didn't even make it to week one, never dressed, never played a game for the Indianapolis Colts. But even as bad of a pick as Zach Banner was, he still made the Steelers roster last year and he made one start for the Steelers in 2019. So even Ballard's biggest blemish is still an NFL caliber player who is actually on a 90-man roster today because you look back at the 2013-14, some of those draft classes from Ryan Grigson, he was missing on first, second, third round picks that were out of the league after two years. We're four years down the road, and Zach Banner, the worst pick Chris Ballard has ever made, was actually starting a game last year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and Zach Banner was a guy that when I when I watched him, I saw a lot of good things, but I also the more you read about him, the more he had like a weight problem that he couldn't keep down and he couldn't keep his weight down. And that was a big issue in Indianapolis. He just, for whatever reason, he came in out of shape and they gave him a chance to get his weight down. They gave him a chance to get everything situated and he just couldn't do it. And that's why he got cut. I mean, if he could have just stayed healthy as far as just eating healthy and stayed at a weight, because they always have weights for guys that they don't want, they have weigh-ins. They don't want you to get above a certain weight. He could never get to the weight that they wanted him to play at. And so they just had to release him. And that's what I'm talking about with, with Chris Ballard. If he sees a mistake, it doesn't matter how early or whatever, or who it is, a fourth round pick, he'll cut you. 
that's the cutthroat part of this business. And he doesn't screw around when it comes to that stuff. He looks out for the Colts the best he can. I thought it was the right move at the time. You know, he's on the Steelers now, so good for the kid. He, you know, he got his he got his situation straightened out, and he's still in the league, so good for him. But he wasn't doing what was necessary to be an Indianapolis Colt, so we had to release him. Yeah, and I remember saying it at the time, and I'll say it again. I thought that Chris Ballard wanted to make an example out of Zach Banner. I think he saw how Chuck Pagano ran his training camp, ran his practices. I don't think he liked it, and I think he wanted to set the tone before wasting an entire draft class and having those guys go in and see what the veterans are doing and see how Pagano runs things. I think he wanted to set a standard and say, listen, if you show up fat, if you show up out of shape, I don't care if Ryan Grigson drafted you two, three years ago, last year, whatever. I don't care if I just took you in the fourth round. If you're out of shape, if you don't meet the criteria of what it means to be a Colt, I don't care who you are, I will cut you. And I think Zach Banner was the first domino to fall in Chris Ballard setting the standard and showing guys who might have been a little bit too comfortable under Chuck Pagano from years previous that this is no longer a country club. This is my team. Pagano won't be here long, and this is how we run things. So I thought Zach Banner was an example made by Chris Ballard in 2017, and I think that it is one of multiple things that Ballard's done up until this point that has really helped to build this locker room, especially before Frank Reich showed up because Ballard was kind of fighting that battle by himself. Now you have a coach and GM who are on the same page. Every page of the book, they're on the same page. So I think Zach Banner was an example Ballard made back in 2017. Maybe you lost out on a talented player, but at least you set the tone for the locker room to know, okay, I can't slack off, I can't come in out of shape, or I could be the next Zach Banner. This next guy, one of my favorite picks from this draft class, one of my favorite players on this team, with the 143rd overall pick in the fourth round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select, Marlon Mack, running back, South Florida. In his first three seasons with the Colts, he's made 22 starts, split carries in 2017, his rookie season behind the future Hall of Famer, Frank Gore. So another Florida kid definitely helped out Marlon Mack there, being able to sit behind a legend like Frank Gore, top five now, I think third or fourth all-time in rushing yards. The incredible career of Frank Gore. The guy just keeps going, just signed with the Jets. Another former Colt signing with the Jets. But Marlon Mack in his first three seasons has elapsed 2,300 yards, has averaged 4.4 yards per carry, has 20 rushing touchdowns to go along with 52 receptions for over 400 receiving yards and a pair of receiving touchdowns. So very productive over the last two years after becoming the starting running back. Had a great performance in the playoffs two years ago in 2018. Ran for 148 yards and a touchdown on the road at Houston in the wildcard round of the playoffs. And then last year, went over 1,000 yards for the first time in his NFL career. Marlon Mack, one of my favorite players on this team. I love everything about him. After the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor, Frank Reich texted Marlon Mack because we just drafted a running back in the second round. It could be viewed as a replacement in Marlon Mack's eyes as he's entering the final year of his rookie contract. And he texted Coach Reich back and said, let's go, let's win. He's all business. He's all about ball. He's all about winning. He's all about team, team, team. And I love that about Marlon Mack. It's tough to pay running backs because they just don't last. But if we could find a way to pay Marlon Mack, I would love to do it because I love everything about this guy. And I believe he deserves to be rewarded for what he's done in Indianapolis. You give him the ball 10 times, he doesn't complain that he didn't get it enough. You give him the ball 28 times, he doesn't complain that he got it too much. You draft a running back who could be looked at and viewed at as his replacement in the second round. Doesn't complain, is excited 
to work alongside Jonathan Taylor. So I love everything about Marlon Mack. You see so many times running backs in his position coming off a 1,000-yard season, entering a contract year, would be holding out for a new contract. Not Mack. He's all about business. I love everything about him. Tough position to pay, especially this day and age. But if we could find a way to give Mack an extension, I would be on board because I believe he deserves it. And I think it would send a great positive message to the locker room. If you do everything the right way, on and off the field, we will reward you the way we rewarded Marlon Mack, who showed up every day, never complained, always worked hard, always ran hard. I love everything about Marlon Mack on and off the field. Great pick in the fourth round back in 2017 by Ballard and the Colts. Yeah, you remember when we drafted this guy, Luke. I was so excited. Um, I really wanted the Colts to draft him, and, and I, I thought it was a home run pick at the time. I still think that he's been really, really productive. He's gotten better every year. I mean, if you remember his first year with Pagano, Pagano would do weird things like he'd put Mac in and Mac would run for a 26 yards or something like that on the, on a handoff and then not give him another carry for the rest of the game. Yep. He did weird things like with, with, with Mac like that, his rookie year. Um, and he obviously had some things to work on pass catching, blocking the same things that I think that Taylor's going to have to work on. Uh, now he's a very consistent player. You don't really have to worry about him fumbling. He catches the ball of the backfield. He, he's great when, you know, he gets outside, he can take it to the house. Like you saw against San Diego, or excuse me, as you saw against the LA Chargers this year. I mean, once you get once you get him outside, you can you can take it to the house. So he's gotten better every year. I really love the kid. Like you said, man, he's a great team guy. If we could get him for like a three year deal after this season, I would sign up for that. And then you know, kind of have that Taylor Max situation and just kind of thunder and lightning, if you will, or maybe lightning and lightning, really. But um, I love the pick at the time. You know, I thought he would be the best running back since Edge. I still think it's possible that he could be that guy. I think he's got a little ways to go to catch Joseph Adai. But I definitely think he's an impact player, a special player. His running style is really fun to watch. And I think that running behind this offensive line has been great for his career. And he's just been, a, he's just been an all-around great teammate, productive player, and someone that you got to have on your team, like so, you got to have players like Marlon Mack on your team to win big games. Like you saw in Houston when we won the game on the road in the playoffs. I mean, he had a huge game. So, big fan of Marlon Mack. I think this is the best pick of Chris Ballard's 2017 draft. I loved everything about the pick at the time, and nothing has changed. Great pick, home run, A plus for that pick. No question. Yeah, and ball security is a great point, Jason, because last year Marlon Mack had 247 carries, fumbled the ball zero times, touched it over 260 times between carries and receptions, never fumbled the football once. The dependability, the ability late in the game, backed up in our own territory, to just hand-mack the ball three straight times and be confident that he's not going to put that ball on the turf is a tremendous quality in a running back. He is so dependable. You could pound the rock late in the game and you never have to worry about him turning the football over or there being an opportunity for him to turn the ball over, putting the ball on the turf. Because we didn't win many games last year, but when we won games, we won games pounding the rock. Late in the game, up by two points, up by three points, 
handing the ball to Mac, handing the ball to Mac, handing the ball to Mac. You think about that Kansas City Chief game, the biggest win the Colts had last year, defeating the soon-to-be Super Bowl champions. Jacoby did not win that game for us. We won that game because we kept the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. We also kept the ball out of Jacoby Brissett's hands, and we kept the ball on the ground, and we pounded it with Marlon Mack, and he never fumbled the football. So that is a great point. Ball security is so, so big, and Marlon Mack was as good as you could possibly be last season because in 247 carries, he fumbled the ball zero times. You can't do better than Mac did last year in terms of ball security. And as far as paying him goes, I just think it sends the right message because Ballard talks about rewarding his own guys, doing everything the right way. If you have a player in Mac who does everything the right way on and off the field, he's young, he stays healthy. Let's say he stays healthy this season. If there's injuries, that's different. But if he stays healthy and he does everything the right way, everything we've ever asked him to do, doesn't complain about another running back getting shoved into his backfield to split carries, and he has another productive season, and you don't pay him, I don't think that sends the right message to the locker room. Last year, Pierre Desir was out there playing injured. I think this is the one area where Ballard has been a little bit hypocritical, and I understand it's tough because you are making tough decisions in this business, but Pierre Desir was a stand-up guy on and off the field. He wasn't as productive last year as we would have liked him to see. He took a step back from 2018 to 2019, but he was playing injured pretty much the entire season, and you release them to save maybe $6 million. And I'm not saying it was the wrong decision. I'm not saying we didn't upgrade with Xavier Rhodes, and you're always looking to upgrade your roster. But you have a player in Marlon Mack who you drafted and has done everything the right way. If you don't pay him, you could be sending the wrong message to a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who's going to come in, great guy off the field, great player on the field. You don't want to send the wrong message that you could do everything the right way. You could play your heart out. You could never complain. But when your contract's up, we're not going to pay you because you're a running back and we're going to let you go. So you do want to send that message to the locker room. If you do it the right way, the Colt way, the Marlon Mack way, you will be rewarded. So it's a great point about ball security because that is an elite trait that Marlon Mack has. People want to say he's not an elite running back. Well, you could not be an elite player but still have elite traits. And his ball security last season was an elite trait. 247 carries, never put the ball on the turf. He's definitely a player I would like to see back in 2021 on a two- or three-year extension because if you keep him alongside Jonathan Taylor, they will keep each other healthy by taking the pressure off one another moving forward. That that stat is incredible. The not the uh, zero fumble stat. I mean, that is mm-hmm. you can't get more dependable than that. You know yeah. that your running back is not only going to get you yards and be productive, but he's never going to literally never put the ball on the ground. So, I mean, that's what football is: trusting your teammates, depending on your teammates. There's not a better guy to depend on than Marlon Mack. He's when he's on the field. You don't ever have to worry that he's going to do his job because he does his job great, and he'll never. I mean, he's. He's it's always positive. Everything he does is always positive, uh, and you don't have to worry about that. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. So I'm 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 definitely somebody that believes in giving him, you know, a short extension because I think he's earned it. And I think when people deserve things and they earn things by doing things the right way, they deserve to get that extension. And I think, I mean, he's still relatively young. I think it's I think it's a smart move. But We'll see what happens. I mean, Ballard, like you said, he's kind of been inconsistent with the way he's handled things. I'm hoping he handles this one the right way, though. 
And Ballard has said in the past that he wants to reward his own. He wants to reward guys who have done it the right way on and off the field. We saw that with Kenny Moore a few years ago. He didn't need to pay Kenny when he did, but he chose to pay him to set a tone, to set an example in the locker room. Look, you do it the way this guy's done it. You're productive on the field. You're a standout guy in the community and a great guy in the locker room that we will reward you before we have to reward you. So we saw it with Kenny Moore. I would love to see it again with Marlon Mack. With the 144th pick in the fourth round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Grover Stewart, defensive tackle, Albany State, a Division II school. So Ballard in the fourth round goes D2 with Grover Stewart, started 13 games for the Colts in 2019, had 30 tackles and three sacks starting at the one tech. So we added a lot of talent in the defensive tackle room this past offseason, we obviously make the big trade, the blockbuster trade for DeForest Buckner. We sign Sheldon Day, who will be competing with Grover Stewart or backing Grover Stewart up at the one tech. And then we also draft Robert Windsor in the fifth round of the 2020 draft. So we added a lot of talent to that room to go along with Grover Stewart and Danico Autry. So that room is a lot better than it was last season. And Grover Stewart was a really productive player. People did not give him nearly the amount of credit he deserved to grab this guy from a D2 school in the fourth round back in 2017. This was a great pick, a great value pick, and a great find out of a small school like Albany State. Grover Stewart, definitely one of the more underrated players on this Colts defense who had a really productive season last year at the one-tech spot. I absolutely agree, man. I think he's one of Chris Ballard's gym picks. I mean, just an undervalued guy. We didn't get anything out of Marcus Hunt last year. Obviously, he's no longer with the team. I thought Grover came in, and, and I, I think the cool thing about Grover Stewart and his situation is you've, again, seen he goes through the one coaching staff, and then a new coaching staff comes in, and you see what you should see with players with, that we didn't see with Chuck Pagano players is he's incrementally gotten better every year. And that's what you want to see. And now Grover, what, whatever the reason is for getting the start, I thought he did a, a reasonably good job when he got in there. I don't necessarily think he's a starter caliber player, but I certainly think on a good team he could be a rotational piece. And I think one of the fun things is going to be to watch this offseason and in training camp, whenever that is, is these uh, defensive tackles that we're going to have on the roster are so much better, and it's just going to be great competition for all these guys, whether it be Sheldon Day, whether it be Grover Stewart, whether it be Tyquan Lewis, if he's outside at the, you know, at the defensive end spot or if he's inside three tech, whatever. It, I mean, it's just going to be great to watch these guys compete against each other. You know, just go, going back over the pick at the time, I didn't know anything about the guy. So I didn't really know what to make of the pick. You know, you see Albany state, you kind of, did we reach for him? But honestly, this is not a bad pick. I mean, the kid's turned out to be a good, solid rotational piece, and he's still on the roster. So, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it's he's a he's a decent player, and I think uh, I think he's somebody that's undervalued by Colt fans when we talk about players on defense because he doesn't have that sexy name. And generally speaking, defensive tackles, unless they're all pros, are never really going to get talked about that much. So. I think this kid's done a really good job of kind of finding his niche in this defense and becoming a really solid contributor to a solid defense. 
You know, this has kind of become a staple for Chris Ballard, making picks in the fourth and fifth rounds that look like reaches at the time, but then turn into really productive players. You have Grover Stewart out of Albany State in 2017, fourth round pick. Then last year, fifth round goes EJ Speed out of Tarleton State. This past draft, Danny Pinter out of Ball State. So every year he seems to make that one move where you're scratching your head in the fourth, fifth rounds, but then the player turns into a really good, productive football player. Grover Stewart's been very productive. EJ Speed, we have very high hopes for. He looks like he's going to turn into an absolute freak of nature as a six foot five Sam linebacker that could run like the wind. And now Danny Pinter, we have high hopes for as well. Haven't seen him play an NFL game yet, but we have high hopes for. So it's kind of become a staple of Chris Ballard's drafting philosophy somewhere between the 140th and the 170th pick makes a move where you're scratching your head. You don't know who the player is. They're coming out of a school you might never have heard of before, like Tarleton State, and then he finds a diamond in the rough. So that's kind of become an M.O. for Chris Ballard over the last few drafts. Yeah, and that's what makes him so good at his job. And, and what, what makes his scouts so good is they, they look everywhere. They'll find guys that maybe other teams don't even know exist, or if they do know they exist, they don't go out there and really get to know the player, the person, or any of that stuff. Our scouts definitely do that, and uh, they did it with they did it with Speed, they did it with Stewart, they did it with Penter. They just do a really good job covering all their bases, and that's why we end up with maybe players on our squad that other teams don't because they don't do the homework and their due diligence and going you know, digging so deep and finding players and looking under rocks and just trying to find the best players for their roster that they can possibly find. So I really like, that's one thing with this, with this regime that I never worry about. They're going to find good players. They're going to look everywhere. And maybe, you know, on draft day, I'm not going to be doing somersaults when we draft a kid out of Albany state, but in three years, you know, I probably will be because it'll probably turn out to be a starter on our defense. Yep. With the 158th overall pick in the fifth round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Nate Hairston, cornerback, Temple. Made 11 starts for the Colts between 2017 and 18, was very productive his rookie season. In those 11 starts, he had 65 tackles, six pass breakups, two sacks, and a pick. But both sacks, the pick, and five out of those six pass breakups came in 2017. Like I said, very productive his rookie season. And then on August 28th, 2019, last season, right before week one, we traded him to the New York Jets for a sixth-round pick. He started six games, had three pass breakups, and a pick for the New York Jets in 2019. So we saw more of the 2017 version of Nate Harrison than the 2018 version of Nate Harrison, who was semi-productive last season for the Jets and another player from the Colts drafted in 2017 who's currently a member of the New York Jets. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was really, really impressed with Nate uh, Harrison his rookie year. I remember thinking, man, he's – you know, out of all the guys we drafted, I thought he might be the biggest project, and he turned out to be probably one of our most consistent players all year that 2017 year. I mean, he was amazing in the slot, did a really, really good job. But unfortunately for him, we found a guy named uh, Kenny Moore. And once we found Kenny Moore, uh, it was pretty much a wrap for him in Indianapolis as far as starting. And I don't think he played as well as a backup because he had been used to starting. So I think that writing was on the wall with Nate Harrison once we, we found the great player that is Kenny Moore. And so the Colts decided to go ahead and make that trade and get something back for him. And, uh, you know, I again, I have nothing bad to say about Nate Harrison. I thought 
he showed a lot when he was here, but I mean, if you've got a choice between starting Nate Hairston or starting Kenny Moore, you're going to start Kenny Moore because he's so damn good. So once he lost that position, he probably fell out of favor with the coaching staff and maybe his effort dropped off and they just decided, listen, we're, we're going to send you to a better situation. They sent him to the jets. He got more playing time. And I didn't really watch a lot of jet, you know, games last year, but the few that I did watch, it seemed like he, he's playing. Okay. So I think that worked out well for both teams, honestly. And last but certainly not least, with the 161st overall pick in the fifth round of the 2017 draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Walker Jr., linebacker, Northwestern. Arguably the best pick at the spot in terms of overall production in the fifth round. Anthony Walker Jr. has been extremely productive for the Colts, has made 30 starts over the last two seasons between 2018 and 19, started all 16 games for the Colts in 2019, and in those 30 starts over the last two years, had 229 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks, two interceptions, and forced the fumble. So he's been extremely productive. You can't ask for much more than that out of a 161st overall pick. So I really like Anthony Walker Jr. I love what he brings to the table. I love the way he plays off Darius Leonard, and Darius Leonard plays off him. They're a great combo, a great duo together. And to get a player of his caliber who's been able to give you what he's been able to give you over the past couple seasons in the fifth round, this was a great pick by Chris Ballard in 2017. You get your starting middle linebacker, a guy who will be an everyday starter again this season for the Colts. A great, great pick in the fifth round of the 2017 draft. Right there with Marlon Mack as arguably, this is arguably the best pick of the draft because of the value of what you got from Anthony Walker in the fifth round. Yeah, the funny thing about Anthony Walker was uh, in his 2017 year, he really didn't play much. I think that was by design. I don't think he fit, obviously, a 3-4 defense. You need bigger guys back there. So when we went to the 4-3, it was like, okay, this this guy, he's more built for that defense. Like, he's too small to play in the 3-4 and be back there in the middle patrolling or whatever you need more thumpers back there but when you went to the 4-3 and you saw the way he you know he ran to the ball and made plays and got guys in the right position I mean this is a home run pick he's he's even if even if he leaves after this year he will go somewhere else and start on another team he's an NFL starter there's no question about that we just have so much talent at that specific position that might you know that might end up hurting him in the end but at the end of the day man that's a home run pick for the fifth round I mean, that's crazy. His productivity his last two years has been off the charts. He's dependable. He rarely gets hurt. He's as tough as they come. He's a good leader. He's a great teammate. To me, Marlon Mack and, and this guy, you know, it's one and one B, one A, one B, because you got a guy on offense and a guy on defense. I think both of those guys were home run picks. And I, I mean, great for the organization. I would love to have Anthony Walker around too. Another guy I think that should be rewarded. He's done a great job. He could have very easily gotten down on himself after that first year when he hardly played, but he didn't. And then he earned a starting job and he fought his way through adversity. And now he's our starting middle linebacker. And until somebody takes that job from him, it's his. So I really think it's a, it's a credit to him and his hard work and not getting down on himself and just believing in himself to, that he could play that position and be that guy, and it's all worked out. And uh, Chris Bauer did a great job finding him, and, and and knowing that just because he didn't play his rookie year, he saw you know he saw the forest through the trees. He saw 
the big picture. He knew, okay, once I get my four, three in here, he's going to be a big time part of that. And he, and that has absolutely come to fruition. So uh, that's another home run pick as far as I'm concerned. So you look at this draft class, Jason, you have your starting running back, your starting middle linebacker, your starting free safety, your starting one tech, four starters from this draft, a draft class that is looked at as the blemish on Chris Ballard's resume. But this is not a bad draft. We have seen bad. Ryan Grigson was our general manager from 2012 to 2016. We've seen bad. You want bad? Go look up the 2013 draft class. That's bad. That entire class was off the roster before their rookie contracts expired. In this class, we have four starters who will be starting for us in 2020, a year where we expect to compete for a Super Bowl championship. We don't want to just make the playoffs. We want to compete for a Super Bowl this year. And our starting running back, our starting one tech, our starting middle linebacker, our starting free safety all came from this draft class, which gets looked at as a blemish for Chris Ballard. And I think it's because 2018 was so great because we had so much star power come from that class that it made this class look underwhelming. But this is still a solid class. And then you also have a lot of players from this class. Some had to do with the scheme change of 2017 to 18. But you have a lot of players in this draft who are still producing for other teams. We had nine players selected. And out of those nine players, eight started at least one game in the NFL last year. The only player not to start at least one game was Quincy Wilson, who we just got a sixth round pick back for trading into the New York Jets. So even he returns some value to us. Now, if Isaiah Rogers turns into a great kickoff returner or a really good backup slot corner behind Kenny Moore, Quincy Wilson just added value back into the pot for the future with Isaiah Rogers. So he wasn't cut like we had to cut Banner or we had to cut Terrell Basham. So this is not nearly as bad of a class as people make it out to be. It's no 2018, but it's still a solid class. So let's get into the grades now, Jason. Grading Chris Ballard's first ever draft class, the 2017 class. We're going to give it two grades. We're going to give it a Colts grade, and then we'll give it an NFL grade because all nine players drafted here four years down the road are still NFL caliber players. They still have homes on NFL rosters. So we'll give it two grades, the Colts grade and the NFL grade as we grade Chris Ballard's 2017 draft class, his first draft in Indianapolis. Yeah, I would say I give this, I give the Colts version of this a, a B minus. You didn't get any all pros. You were picking in the top 15, but you got three starters and you got a, a rotational piece with those picks that are all going to be playing significant roles on a very good football team that all played significant roles on a playoff team. So that we had in 2018. So I, I think those picks make this draft a you know above average. I wouldn't give it a C. I would say B minus, even maybe a B. Uh, you get your running back who's been productive. You get a your safety who's played pretty well. He hasn't lived up to the the pick we took him at, but he hasn't been bad. Walker's been a godsend at middle linebacker, uh, and Grover Stewart's been exceptional as a uh, rotational piece as far as the D line goes. So. I would say just to be safe, I would say B minus because we didn't get a like a real superstar Pro Bowl caliber guy out of it. But I mean, we we definitely got some talent and some winning talent, and you need that to win. So I would say B minus for this draft for the Colts. Yeah, I'm in the same ballpark. I'm going to give the Colts a B, a solid B. Because you go into a draft, you want to come away with starters. And not starters on a bad team, starters on a playoff team. We have guys from this class who started games for us when we made the playoffs in 2018. And we have 
all the expectations in the world to make the playoffs again this year. I expect to win our division. I expect to make the playoffs. I expect to compete with Baltimore and Kansas City for the AFC title and compete for a Super Bowl championship. And that is with players like Anthony Walker, Marlon Mack, Hooker, Stewart. So I expect to compete this year with players, a good chunk of players from this draft. So I would give the Colts a solid B. And then I would give the NFL grade a B plus because we added depth to the Jets roster. We added depth to the Steelers roster. So all nine players belong in the NFL. All nine players will be on 55-man rosters come this September between the Colts, Jets, and probably Steelers with Zach Banner, assuming he makes their roster again next year. He did start a game for them last year. So we might have had an absolute bust in Zach Banner in Indianapolis, but he's not a total NFL bust. He still belongs in this league. He wasn't playing in the XFL. He's not in Canada. He's not in Europe. He is an NFL player. All nine guys selected were NFL players, and that's really what you want. You want to draft guys who belong in this league. You don't want to see guys fizzle out after one or two seasons and then and be completely forgotten about. So every player drafted is an NFL caliber player, and the Colts have four legitimate starters on this team who will be big reasons why this team, in my opinion, makes the playoffs in 2020. So this was a solid foundation draft. It was a solid first draft, especially when you take into consideration all the variables we talked about earlier in the podcast. Got the job late on January 29th, had to deal with the death of a player in Edwin Jackson, still had Pagano on that coaching staff, was still running a 3-4 defense, had Grigson scouts, didn't have Ed Dodds and some of the main cogs in his front office like we've seen today in the With the Next Pick series. So there was just so much happening so fast. You take the job late January, by late March you have to have a draft. But the draft process for Chris Ballard is 365 days, and you had to squeeze that into about two and a half months to three months while you're still trying to learn your own roster. It was a real uphill battle for Chris Ballard in 2017, and he came away with a really solid draft class. It's not a great class. It's not the 2018 class, but I think that this class coming right before 2018 and us looking at this class many times in a side-by-side comparison with 2018 with Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, multiple first-team All-Pros, it makes this class look worse than it actually is. I think this is a solid draft class. You have multiple starters. You have nine NFL-caliber players here four years down the road. So this was a solid draft class. I'll give it a B for Indianapolis and a B-plus for the NFL. Plus, when you look at this draft, the first half was horrible. The first half was probably a D plus, maybe a D, but the back half of this draft, he hit on three out of his last four picks with three starters in the fourth round or later between Mack, Walker, and Stewart, one of those players coming out of a D2 school. So he really bounced back in the second half of this draft because it was looking catastrophic in the first half, missing on second round picks, missing on third round picks. So Ballard definitely bounced back. And then you take all those variables into consideration and then knowing what we know now and knowing how good he is and what he's capable of, like we saw in the 2018 draft class. I give it a solid B in Indianapolis, B plus for the NFL. And tomorrow, guys, we are very excited to have the Colts defensive coordinator join us on the For the Culture podcast. Matt Eberflus will be with us tomorrow, so that'll be a lot of fun to go over. DeForest Buckner to go over Xavier Rhodes, a couple of the players the Colts drafted like Julian Blackman, and the future of Malik Hooker. What went into that decision to not give him the fifth-year option? We will find out tomorrow right here on the For the Culture podcast.